Ew, what is going on, everybody? Welcome to the awesome.com on the contrary show presented by prize picks. I'm Dave Lochran along once again, as always with Alex Baker at awesome. himself, number one ranked DFS player out there. Alex, what's going on, bro? What's up, man? Yeah, this, uh, this week should be interesting. I mean, we got a 14 game slate. That's, uh, that's probably as big as they come. So this one would be pretty cool until next week when oh, we have every single game on the schedule and it's going to suck. But, uh, yeah, it, there's a lot and we've had a lot transpire over the past 20 minutes too. Fortunately, one of them's for a night game, but another one is uh, Antonio Gibson hitting the COVID-19 list. So joining us to break all of this down for the second time this season, Pete Overzet, check him out, his YouTube channel, Pete Overzet, and at Pete Over, it's PeteOverzet.com, right? Where we get the merch and all that good stuff as well. Yeah, although I haven't updated that in probably about five months. So this is a good right. reminder for me. Well, to see, last, last time you told me to promote that. So I was just, I was just <laughs> calling back to what it was. How you doing, man? I'm doing good. Yeah, this Antonio Gibson one, uh, dare I say, flips the slate on its head. I think he was projecting to be, I don't know, top five uh, popular running back on the slate. So certainly going to make things interesting. Yeah, no question. It's not a great matchup, but it's still one of those spots where without McKissick and now without Gibson, unless he some miraculously gets off the COVID. What a mess that Washington team has been from a COVID standpoint, but we'll see how it goes down. We got a lot to get into 14 games. Uh, I want to kick it off with something a little bit more strategy based than, than digging into the games, Pete, when it's 14 games, you got a huge slate like this. Um, is it make it more difficult for you or does it also just make it that there are a lot of games and teams that you can outright avoid or not get to? Cause there's some really hellacious looking games on this slate. Well, I I'm excited about this slate because it feels like it's the first one we've had in, I don't know, three to four weeks where there was legitimate options and where you can get in a lot of, you know, projected ceiling, uh, and not, you know, give up too much on the field to all the, you know, the chalk donkeys out there. There's lots of good <laughs> contrarian plays. So I am excited, like looking and just seeing, you know, running backs that have a legit ceiling that project for sub 10% ownership. We haven't had that in weeks. So yeah, having the 14 games, I think is, is good for us. Uh, Galaxy brain GPP bros and lots of different ways to go. As far as game stacks, we got some value quarterbacks that you can run out there naked. We're having, you know, running back value open up left and right now. So yeah, I think this is going to be a fun one for the, you know, really the last big GPP slate of the year. How much Alex, do you worry about ownership on a slate like this outside of obviously the, the key guys like Antonio Brown, we'll talk about him egregiously underpriced on DraftKings. Uh, David Montgomery being another one, but for the most part, really flat ownership across the board when you have this many spots you can get to. Yeah, definitely. I think that uh, some of the guys we might consider as sleepers uh, on a normal slate and a 14 game slate, there's like so many good plays of the chance that they bust out and, and when your GDP is a little bit lower. So it kind of moves everyone down uh, a few notches from where the, they normally would be. And because the ownership is uh, pretty spread out, uh, I mean, you're, not, you're probably not going to overlap as much with people, like regardless of what you do. Do you have a significantly bigger player pool on, on slates like this? I know that that seems like a self-explanatory question, but there are there's some games with just like 38 totals, a 37 and a half, a 40, and then spots where you've got offenses with legitimate, Alex, 13-point implied totals, 14-point implied totals. Is it easy for you to get away from them? Or are you still saying, you know what, maybe there are some good contrarian options in these 
cellar dwelling teams like New York or Atlanta or Jacksonville? I mean, yeah, I think we got to consider them. Atlanta in particular is uh, one of my favorite teams in, in DFS because they just pass a ton. But then uh, I pulled up our top stacks tool today, and some of the teams aren't even registering as a stack, like Jacksonville <laughs> versus New England and Carolina versus New Orleans. This is the first time I've seen a stack be 0.0%. <laughs> so it's looking pretty rough for a couple teams. That's amazing. So they have they literally have no chance of becoming the top stack. <laughs> It makes sense, though. That would be remarkable if Jacksonville was somehow able to uh, pull that off. But, Pete, kind of same thing to you, right? Like, Jacksonville has a 13-point implied total. Atlanta, 14-7-5. New York's at 15. Texas, I think we have, like, 10 teams with a sub-20 implied total. Are there any teams that you're just saying, I really don't feel any inch or any any, uh, need to get there? Or are you open to any of these squads this week on such a big slate? Yeah, I, I think that this is one of those slates where you can probably cross off uh, a few teams. And just because there's three to four legitimate kind of game stack games that you could target and, you know, hope they there's 70 plus points scored. And there's these teams that are massive favorites with huge implied team totals, you know, with the Patriots, with the Niners, the Bucks. So you could, you know, onslaught some of these teams as well. So, yeah, I, I'm not going to be messing um, with probably any of those teams at the bottom, but uh, I don't play the Millie maker though. So maybe Alex uh, still wants to trot out his Trevor Lawrence double stacks over there. Why don't you, why don't you put the millionaire maker, man? Do you not like a million bucks? <laughs> no, I don't. Yeah. It's just, I feel like that much money. It would, it would go to my head. So I, I prefer <laughs> living in the, like the 10,000 to 50,000 range. <laughs> I hear you. I don't, I don't play it either. I prefer there, there's so many monster contests out there though. Even a lot of the single entry stuff. Uh, but with the Millie maker, yeah, maybe, but Alex, you can't, you can't tell me, like, you can't tell me that you're getting to a giant stack, even in the millet, right? Like, is there any way that happens? Well, that's the one team that you probably just can't play because right. uh, they have two quarterbacks that are supposed to play this week from yeah. what I understand. That's never a good sign. Even, even if, if it was one. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the, we saw, we saw what Carolina pull that same nonsense to, I don't Look, man, there's a few teams on this site. We don't even need to get into it. But I do think the 14 game, it looks overwhelming. That's all I'm saying. Until you dig into it a little bit more. Uh, and like Pete said, if you're not playing the Millie, it might be a little bit easier to kind of cross a Jacksonville or a New York Giants off of the slate uh, and, and limit your player pool a little bit more. So let's get into some of these players, Pete. We'll start with Antonio Brown because he's still 6,100 on DraftKings. He was 4,900 last week. Tom Brady uh, was very much willing to give him as many opportunities as possible because much to people's surprise, I don't know why, Antonio Brown's still really damn good when he's healthy. Uh, Are you still, are are you ignoring the ownership here at at almost 30% and just getting there, assuming Mike Evans is out? No, I, I I did eat the some of the Antonio Brown chalk last week, but kind of seeing how things shape up this week, I doubt I will have any Antonio Brown. I mean, I'm seeing his ownership around like 40%. And that's generally a little conservative relative to what's going to happen in small field. So, I mean, if we're looking at a 50 plus percent Antonio Brown, where you can go and you can play Brandon cooks 
for $100 cheaper. You can play Christian Kirk in a really nice game for $300 cheaper at what, a fourth, a fifth of the ownership. I think you fade Antonio Brown. <laughs> you hope that, you know, he has eight for 80 and doesn't get in the end zone, you know? So I think at that ownership, there's lots of paths to failure for Antonio Brown in this spot. I mean, they might just be able to have their way on the ground too against the Jets who have been one of the most, you know, advantageous matchups for running back. So I'm off the AB train this week. I get it. Uh, it looks nice. He's underpriced, but uh, it's going to be a fade for me. Alex, what about you? Yeah, I think that Antonio Brown, uh, yeah, the ownership could get up there, but we have him as a good enough play to warrant it on our boom bus, trying to like calculate the chance that each player is in the optimal. We have him at 40% chance of being in the optimal. So, uh, I mean, that that's extremely significant. I don't think it's wrong to like not have him in there, but Anytime you can get a wide receiver with negative odds, uh, that that's worth targeting. And the the numbers behind this, like Antonio Brown has been targeted a ridiculous amount when he's been on the field so far this year. He's been injured a little bit, but uh, he has been targeted 31% on each route. And last week he hit a season high in routes run uh, as a percentage of the total passing plays at 86%. And uh, I don't see any reason why that would come down, even though Mike Evans is most likely back this week. So, Do you I think, think he, Evans plays? <clears throat> well, he practiced today, so I think that yeah. it's reasonable to assume Evans is in. But Evans, uh, he's been targeted only 17% of the time when he's been on the field this year. So uh, there's a huge gap in target share between him and Brown when uh, they've been on the field. So I'm thinking, Pete, if, if you're – willing to get away from Antonio Brown. Let's say Evans does play and Brown's still getting a lot of ownership because he's I, obviously the discussion on sites like draft or FanDuel or Yahoo is entirely different where they've actually appropriately priced him. Could you see yourself going to a Brady Gronk Evans stack or something like that and then fading Antonio Brown in that same spot? So you're still getting that Bucks exposure in the passing game, but not a B. Yeah, I could see doing something like that. I hadn't even really thought much about the Evans stuff because even heading into uh, this morning, I wasn't cert certain he was going to play, but that could be interesting. And I think I could also see myself um, not doing Brady, but rolling out like a Ronald Jones and Gronk and seeing like, can you capture the majority of these Bucks touchdowns uh, and fade Antonio Brown? And then you could go to a running quarterback in that kind of run that stack uh, naked. So yeah, I, I'm definitely interested in stuff like that because you're going to get, you know, Ronald Jones at what maybe uh, could be a third of the ownership of Antonio Brown there. And he could definitely, you know, give you leverage from a touchdown standpoint. Alex, where do you go with the rest of this team specifically in the run game? I mean, it is an advantageous matchup on all fronts. When you're talking about the jets, the, the, the Tampa Bay box have a, a monster a near 30 point implied total this week. So, all of that just lends to this being a, an onslaught game from Tampa. They're going to score points. They always do. And they rarely let off the gas pedal, whether it's through the air or on the ground. Yeah, I think uh, Ronald Jones, like if you just told me a box versus uh, the Jets and Ronald Jones is starting, that sounds pretty good. But then uh, there was some cause for concern last week. He uh, only ran routes on about 26% of passing plays. Keyshawn Vaughn was out there more of those. And then he only got a 65% share of the rushing. So, and Keyshawn Vaughn also like played really well uh, with a long touchdown. So I'm kind of like wondering, like maybe, 
maybe they give Keyshawn Vaughn a little bit more action than than you'd like if you have Ronald Jones in your lineup. I think uh, given that the Bucks are a pass-first team, maybe we can find some better options this week, uh, especially if Jones is going to be popular play. I see that uh, on the draft screen, they're saying that the Jets are a really good matchup. I, I just saw that tweet from earlier, Pete, promoting the show. That's a solid tweet, man. World's number one ranked player. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think I think my bona fides speak for itself. I mean, if you scroll to like page 10 of the uh, player rankings of the year, I mean, you will find me. <laughs> that was good stuff. Um, <laughs> all right. So, Pete, let me go back to you with David Montgomery. I was I was wrong on him last week. Not that I didn't like him. I just didn't love him as much as I probably should have in a bad weather game in the snow in Seattle. I thought Seattle wouldn't just cave entirely, but uh, nine targets. He's now been seeing a ton of targets. I'm refraining from saying peppered with targets because someone said earlier that they're doing a shot every time I say that. So I will not <laughs> say that throughout the show, even though I overuse it uh, immensely. But yeah, where are you going with, with Montgomery? It's, it's, not, it's not common that the Bears are almost touchdown favorites in any spot. Yeah, Um uh, this one's always tough for me because David Montgomery is just generally not a guy I like to play. You know, I feel like for a lot of his career, you know, he was getting played as if he was a bell cow back, but didn't necessarily have that kind of uh, role. Uh, but now that's actually, you know, changed. He's been uh, basically operating as a workhorse. I still think I'm excited to fade it at this ownership. And I'm guessing too, with Antonio Gibson now getting removed from that price range as well, we're going to see a lot more uh, ownership concentrate on Montgomery, Rojo and Sony Michelle. So I don't know, there's pivots I like to make. Uh, I think I'd much rather play Damian Harris, um, bigger implied team total at a fraction of the ownership. I, I like some other guys down there, Darrell Williams. I'd even rather play Josh Jacobs at, at half the ownership of Montgomery. So kind of like AB, I think Montgomery is going to be one of those guys. I just kind of cross out for my, uh, my three max and single entry builds. What about you, Alex? Yeah, I think it is going to depend a lot on if uh, Justin Fields starts this week or if it's uh Foles again. So I think that, uh, with fields, they're targeting the running back position, just a really low amount. Uh, if it's uh, falls again, then maybe we get more targets for Montgomery. So I think he's he's all right, but he does look uh, particularly chalky this week. Pete, you mentioned Damian Harris, too. It's funny, with, with guys like that, you have earlier in the year, I remember talking about the Titans having, not early, maybe like three, two, three weeks ago, the Titans having a, 28 point implied total and and everyone this was before uh aj brown returned and everyone was like six percent or less ownership on that team and there was just there was no real need for the field to get there despite being huge favorites with a monster total and now you've got something very similar with with this uh with this patriots team they have what a 28 point total at 29 uh, and a quarter and there's really no ownership going to any of these players with Ramadre Stevenson expected back. Maybe, maybe you do take a shot on one of these running backs and just hope that they get in the end zone two times or three times like Damian Harris did last week. 
Yeah, I was I was honestly stunned like all week, you know, updating, you know, aggregated ownership to see where people were at on Harris. I kept waiting for his ownership to come up and it, it hasn't been coming up, which is also crazy to me because he just had a three touchdown game in a negative game script where, you know, theoretically he wouldn't be on the field as much. So, yeah, Ramondre Stevenson comes back, but I mean, this team wants to run so much that both of those guys could have good games. So, yeah, I'm very interested uh, in Damian Harris here in a, you know, a must win game for the Pats, uh, awesome matchup versus the Jags and, and no one playing him. Uh, yeah. I'll sign me up for sure. Alex, let's, let's get into the high price guys, the Jonathan Taylors, the Cooper cups, obviously, whenever you're rostering these players, you're not looking at it as a, as a negative, but at the same time on a slate like this, this is where we could, I could use your expertise. I, what is, is there an advantage to playing a, you know, a Cooper cup or a Jonathan Taylor, and, you know, a 4K guy or just going to mid-range guys when you've got so many good ones out there. I know we have the boom bust tool. We got a lot of things that can that can point us in the right direction. But what do you think as far as 9,500 on Cup, 9,000 on Taylor, we should be doing with them this week? Well, I think when you have guys like Cup and Taylor, like any week, they could go out and put up a score that you're you're going to need them to win a GPP. So they're really tough fades. Um, and we have them at uh, reasonable ownership, 15% for Cup and 199 for Taylor. So uh, not the craziest. Uh, and I think it's all about like what kind of value we're going to get this week because we are seeing more and more players kind of dropping out due to COVID. So Antonio Gibson being the latest one, that's going to create a ton of value. And uh, it might be easy to, to fit in these top guys. So, like, what do you think on a 14 gamer you could get away with not having these guys? That, that's kind of what I'm getting at, right? If you get – if Jonathan Taylor gives you 27 and you don't have him, that's not a, a death blow, right? Like, you could still easily have the – he could still easily not be in the optimal. Same thing for Cooper Cup. So, how do you approach that? I think that's the biggest question when – People are trying to figure out whether or not to play these guys. Yeah, I think uh, a lot of it depends on what score you kind of need to, to get them in the winning lineup. I think it'd probably be 30 or higher, and uh, that's where we can leverage some of the, the data. So like Taylor, we have his ceiling at 29.6. That means that 25% of the time he's going to get 29.6 or, or higher. That's firmly in the GPP winning lineup category although i don't think you need him if he just got 29.6 so uh that's why kind of breaking down these odds helps a lot with cup uh we have him with the ceiling of 33 so if you don't have him when he gets his ceiling score which is a quarter of the time that that could hurt for sure where where do you go with guys like this uh this week pete you know you're talking three max single entries and all of that um, do you just force them into some lineups and go with some good value or do you look to more balanced builds? I know it's still relatively early. We still got a couple of days to go. Yeah, it's interesting. Like I was running a bunch of different optimals and kind of doing different constraints, you know, looking at double stacks and, and stuff like that. And you're not seeing Taylor and cut pop up in a lot of optimals right now. And I think it's because there's not a ton of wide receiver value. Um, like not a lot popping, you know, sub 4,000, uh, other than maybe Braxton Berrios right now. So if you're not finding that punt play, it makes a, 
I think it makes it really hard to build a good balanced team that also features Taylor and cup. So yeah, I think that'll be an interesting dynamic. I'd love to get up to uh, one of them uh, probably more so cup um, than Taylor, just because I think there are a couple other plays, you know, we're going to talk about Eckler and Kamara who could match Taylor. Um, whereas cup, I think could, you know, really separate from a lot of the wide receiver field. Yeah. The one thing I love too, though, Pete, and this is, you know, a spot I intend on getting to a decent amount this week is just stacking the Rams and having cup. Cause I don't really, I don't see much value in stacking Van Jefferson and Odell with, with Stafford when every single week you're getting 10 plus targets from cup, but we have them in our boom, but or our top stack tool with a 12% top stack probability and virtually no ownership going to, to Stafford. You've got not much at all going to Odell or Van Jefferson. This Baltimore secondary, I've harped on it for weeks now. I know that, but this secondary for Baltimore has been just trash. 525 yards allowed to Joe Burrow and company last week. Yeah, I think it's interesting too, because kind of similar to what we were talking about with maybe trying to capture the touchdowns with Rojo and Gronk and not playing Brady. I mean, Stafford is pretty expensive. You're going to be able to find multiple guys like uh, Taysom Hill, whoever's at Baltimore QB, even Jalen Hurts, who could give you more of a ceiling for cheaper. And you could maybe try something where you roll out Sony Michelle and Cup, you know, without Stafford or whether it is two of the, the pass catchers and then kind of game stack that without Stafford because Stafford has been, you know, producing big games for Cup without himself kind of getting there and finding his way to an elite ceiling. So I'm less on Stafford, but fully on, you know, attacking this Raven secondary uh, in just this game in general. It is kind of out of control how Stafford can have, uh, you know, three interception, nine fantasy point game. Yeah, Cooper <laughs> Cup still somehow manages to get there. Um, Alex, what are your thoughts on the, on the Rams this week? Well, I think Sony Michelle is going to be a killer play this week. Uh, we just learned this morning, or I guess maybe yesterday, that Cam Akers not expected to play this week. And then Daryl Henderson was put on the IR. So we saw uh, with the similar lineups a couple of weeks ago that Sony Michelle just is getting 100% of the work almost. Their backup is going to be Jake Funk, most likely, who – uh, I think we had him in some best ball lineups <laughs> after Cam Akers had the, the injury. It didn't really pan out, but he's been injured most of the season. Uh, but Sonny Michelle, I think he's uh, he's going to be one of the top plays this week from a, a value and projection standpoint. All right. Hey, shout out to our sponsor, Prize Picks. If you guys haven't signed, I know most of you have already because there's no reason you shouldn't with the ridiculous promo that we're doing. But if you haven't, you should definitely use the link in the description or the one that our producer Tyler is about to throw in the chat right now because you'll get a free month of Awesome O Plus Platinum, $90 value. Every tool that we have on the site for free, they'll email us or email you in 24 to 48 hours and we'll, we'll hook you up with all of that free month. Not to mention when you use the promo code AWESOMO upon signing up, you get a $100 uh, match, first match deposit bonus as well. And it's just a cool site. It's not like you're going over there on prize picks and you're, you're getting into some garbage site that's trying to give you a lot of free stuff to stay there, but you're not going to. No, it's actually pretty cool. Uh, daily prop-based contest, an insane menu of sports. You can do cross sports when you're building a five-team or a four-team lineup. And unlike traditional books with parlays that if you miss out on that fifth leg out of, on a five-leg parlay, you get nothing. Well, if you hit four or five at prize picks, you still 2x your money. 
You still make money back if you hit three of five. Uh, so a lot of ways to play there, a lot of ways to make money and actually sustain your bankroll, unlike trying to do that elsewhere. So get that free month. Use the uh, link in the description. Use the awesome promo code to get $100 first match deposit bonus and use our free player prop tools. Use Odd Shopper, which is still free uh, to make the best picks and win some money over at Prize Picks. You can go to prizepicks.com, download it in the App Store or in the Google Play Store, wherever you'd like. All right, Pete, let's talk about um, let's talk about this this Antonio Gibson spot. He's on the COVID list. I, unless it was like a false positive and they test him twice. I don't know how this works at this point. There's no, no sense in any of it, but let's just assume he's out. Uh, if that's the case, given that McKissick's also out and they're what field goal, three and a half point dogs at home against Philly. Do we look towards a, a Jarrett Patterson and just kind of bite the bullet here? I I'm interested in it. I mean, I, I played, uh, you know, Rex Burkhead last week. I played Zach Moss lots of weeks. Like played I Burkhead know- last week. I, I did. I had, I had a lineup with Burkhead and Higgins and still didn't make that much money. So that's how that's how rough DFS is. But that's yeah, I have cool. no problem uh, going to Patterson. I actually think he's pretty good uh, just as a talent. He had a good college profile. I know uh, Washington really likes him and he's been getting work even, um, you know, it's not like he's just been, you know, sitting on the bench doing nothing, you know, like a, Eno Benjamin type, another, you know, prospect that I always want to see get more carries. So, you know, he had nine carries last week in that blowout loss. And I think they'll give him, you know, 15 plus touches here. Uh, and I think that's going to be pretty intriguing on this slate. Um, and I also don't think I'm just guessing how he'll project. It won't be this like screaming insane value to where I don't worry. He's going to become like 35, 40%. So yeah, as of right now, I'm, I'm pretty interested in the Patterson play here. Yeah. I don't think he'll be close to that. Honestly, I, I don't think he'll be even remotely close to that. I, I don't know. Look, especially if this is a good way to look at it too, Alex, what if Jordan Howard's out and then you have Boston Scott at the same price as, Jared Patterson and Boston Scott's on a team that actually runs the football exceptionally well behind the great offensive line. Like they're the same price. Yeah. I think also uh, Boston Scott, he can get it done <clears throat> running and receiving where Jared Patterson looks like <clears throat> they, they don't love him receiving the ball. Uh, last week, uh, Antonio Gibson left mid game. And what we saw is Jared Patterson got 45% of the team's carries, um, but only 5% of the routes. Uh, Jonathan Williams was running routes on 43% of the plays. So I think you're going to have a pretty even split between Patterson and, and Jonathan Williams, like Patterson getting more of the rushing attempts and Williams getting more of the receiving attempts. But in that case, you probably want Patterson because he's going to be the guy getting those goal line touchdowns. So, I think it'll be a solid play. I just don't know if this offense is capable of moving the ball right now. That's the only problem I have. I mean, they've been they've been pretty anemic uh, week in and week out. Not to say that Philadelphia is just a, a, an impenetrable defensive front, but they are pretty good. So, I don't know. We'll see. What about on the other side of this one then, uh, Pete, with – Jalen Hurts, they can clinch a playoff spot this week, so it's obviously a big game. Miles Sanders is out, uh, and now Jordan Howard practiced in a limited capacity yesterday. I didn't see his practice participation today. Um, the the backfield, though, they're just running the ball so much, like 35, 40 times per game, that if two of their top running backs are out, what does that do for Scott 
uh, and the rest of this team. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of interested in Hertz. I think earlier I know when you guys put out your ownership earlier in the week, he was, you know, catching more, but now we have potentially Trey Lance opening up, you know, Taysom Hill back in the mix. And and now it seemed like Jalen hurts might be five, 6% at 6,600 with his ceiling here. And like you said, maybe he's getting a few more designed runs with, you know, Miles Sanders out uh, with potentially Jordan Howard out. So yeah, I'm, I'm interested. It seems like Goddard is going to be fairly popular, but right now I'm seeing like zero ownership on Devonta Smith. So I don't know, something like uh, a Jalen Hurts skinny stack with Jarrett Patterson uh, as my bring back. I, I might be ready for that. For sure. And the Bucks just activated Mike Evans. It's weird because you would have thought at practice yesterday, they would have activated him from the COVID-19 list given that he was out there, but uh, he's been activated. Apparently though, Alex, he looked sluggish and fatigued. So We'll see. And listen, I was a little skeptical on there were people in our chat a lot talking about, yeah, it, these guys seem to, to struggle when they come back from the COVID-19 list. Now, granted, it's symptomatic, asymptomatic. I think that's probably important. But we saw Tyreek Hill and, and Patrick Mahomes after the game last week talking about how like Tyreek was just dying out there doing everything he could. But he wasn't he was a complete non-factor coming off the COVID-19 list. Yeah, it's been a mixed bag with guys coming back from COVID. Uh, I got I learned this lesson the hard way when on Christmas Day, I'm like, James Harden just got off the COVID list. Like, there's no way he's going to put up, like, his normal minutes. <laughs> he got, yeah. like, 80 fantasy points. So, I'm like, God damn. Like, it could have been a, a nice Christmas other than that. But uh, I think that, uh, like, if you can find more information about, like, maybe if they had symptoms or not, that that could help. Uh, I saw Tyler Lockett was saying that he was really sick. Uh, unfortunately, like I just saw this information now and not before last week where <laughs> he only right. put up 4.5 fantasy points. So I don't know how easy it is to find information about how guys are feeling, but that is pretty, pretty valuable. Judging by that Seahawks <laughs> offense, you'd think they were all really sick with COVID-19. <laughs> so I, I take that with a grain of salt, but uh, yeah, it's it's a weird spot, Pete. Not to circle back too much to to this Tampa news, but the Mike Evans piece is huge. Like if he's active, but he's not at a hundred percent, I mean that's going to play a huge role in a slate where the team has a thirty point total against arguably the worst defense in the league. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. And people just generally, you know, when Godwin's healthy, everyone always wants to play Godwin over Evans. I think people, you know, kind of associate Evans as more of a, a boom bust uh, guy. So, yeah, I think Evans is going to be interesting, but he's also a guy that is always live to score two touchdowns, you know, whenever he's on the field. We even saw last year, they were like, you know, designing, you know, little rub routes and goal line fades for him and using him basically as a goal line running back just to get him in the end zone. So, yeah, Evans is going to be a, a very interesting leverage play just because you have that direct leverage on the Antonio Brown ownership. Yeah. Wasn't it last year that he had two receptions for two yards and two yeah. touchdowns? <laughs> that was right? the game I was thinking. I think it was against the Broncos and they were it just was. like yeah, drawing I, up I, plays I, for him at the goal line. Yeah. I just pulled it up now. Yeah. Two receptions on two targets or four targets for two yards and two. So he had two one yard touchdowns. <laughs> yeah. Remarkable. Uh, Pete, let me stay with you for a second. And We'll talk about we were just talking about Tyreek Hill and and this team last week. He played, but it was the Byron Pringle show. Miko Hardman even you know resurfaced for a week there. And then the Bengals coming off a insane performance. Did you see what Bart Scott said uh, about 
today. Oh, yeah. He basically said what Joe Burrow did means now that every time he faces the Baltimore Ravens, they're going to headhunt for him and try and take his ribs out and try and take his head and try and chop his neck. Oh, yeah. You got to see this. too. He's like, he's a red dot. That's what we call it. So, uh, look, this is not a divisional game. I'll pay close attention next time they face Baltimore. But uh, do you think we have legitimate shootout potential here? Or could this be an underwhelming spot that, that gets hyped up? Yeah, like deep down, my gut says this game is going to fail. Um, I, I could still see the Chiefs side putting up a big number, but this feels like a bad spot for for the Bengals here. Um, so, yeah, I yeah, it's it's tough because on paper, it's it's everything you want. Um, and all of these guys, their ownership looks in check too. you know, both Bengals, elite wide receivers, Tyreek and Kelsey seem moderately owned. So this is a game on paper when I just stare at the numbers I'm interested in, but my, like, I know better feel is like, I kind of just want to play chiefs defense and, and move on from this game. I'm with you. That's why we got to let Alex bring us back to earth because uh-huh. this guy doesn't go with gut feels. He just goes. That's right. With on paper. So uh, Alex, I, I, I know exactly. It just feel, this feels like one of those games that could disappoint, especially on a 14 game site. But uh Feel doesn't really get you far in this in this line of work, Alex. Hey, I'm a gut player too. What are you guys talking about? <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think in NFL, like every game has a huge potential to just disappoint completely. You know, it doesn't matter if it's two of the sure. best teams or two of you know uh, or what. And right now, Kansas City versus Cincinnati, we have as about an 18 percent chance of one of those two teams being the top stack this week. That's uh, that's a pretty good chance. I mean, on a 14-game slate, much better than average, but it's not even close to a lock. So uh, I think it's going to be uh, if you just kind of spread exposure to game stacks across the board and maybe go for some of the less popular ones, even games that you might think are going to be duds, like have a lot of potential too. And to be fair, 14% of that 18 is the Chiefs. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, – the Bengals, uh, I'm, I'm surprised that we don't have them as more popular given their performance last week. So we'll have to see see how that number shapes up closer to lock. Are you guys buying into the Chiefs' defense just being markedly better now, Pete? Um, Yeah, I mean, I, I, I do think they are, are better in a team that can generate turnovers. And, you know, if they get a lead, we know that the Bengals are content to go extremely pass happy. And we've also seen, you know, Joe Burrow, you know, struggle with turnover. So kind of a, a defense in a spot like this against a pass heavy team that is, has been prone to turnovers in the past. I do think it sets up for like an elite, you know, defensive scoring performance. I think sometimes people shy away from the high scoring games, you know, thinking that's going to hurt their point total, but really we want as many pass attempts as possible leading to, you know, potential pick sixes and all that jazz. I forgot to ask at the beginning of the show, my brain's at half speed this week. We're, we're dealing with a cold. That's absolute that's super cold or whatever it is. It's not COVID. I took a test plus get the antibodies, but my God, I've just had my ass kicked and completely forgot to request those likes and the thumbs up. <laughs> Alex, we're, we're, we're 200 away from 70 K. We, we hit, we hit our number. We hit our cherished number last Sunday. So we're getting there, man, less than 200 away from 70,000 subscribers doing big things around yeah, there. It's tough, man. Like because that 69 420 goal was like such a milestone. And then like at the start <laughs> of the new year, it's like, you got to think of what's next. It's 
it's hard to like come up with uh, another milestone after 69 420. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it'll be 600,000, <laughs> that, That's the next one. But uh, anyway, we appreciate you guys hanging out every day, especially New Year's Eve. Hit that thumbs up uh, while you're at it too. follow Pete at Pete Overzet. Check out everything he's got going on. I mean, you just have you got a litany of stuff every day, right? I mean, you're posting everything on Twitter. You're doing the splash play pod. You've got so much other stuff going on right now. Yeah, you know, uh, excited for a little bit of a, a break here, uh, but it, it's been a it's been a fun season, and uh, yeah, it's uh, you know, I can't. It, it's wild that uh, we are now uh, what. 12 hours away from, from wrapping up, uh, 2021. So yeah, happy to, uh, to be chilling with you guys here on the last day of the year. For sure, man. You doing anything tonight? Uh, going over to a friend's house, keeping it, uh, keeping it casual. Uh, but yeah. Uh, what about you guys? Do you participate in the, in watching the ball drop? I don't, I don't necessarily identify as someone who has to be at their TV watching the, the ball drop at midnight. Me neither. I think it's a terribly <laughs> dumb tradition. Uh, it it kind of is. It's, if, if that thing just flew down, it'd be cool, but it's at a snail's pace. Alex, what are you doing tonight? Uh, we were going to go to a wedding, but it got postponed due to COVID. So now, uh, I mean, me and my wife, we're just going to take it pretty easy, I think. Maybe pop a bottle or something. Nice. Friends wedding? <laughs> yeah. Friends wedding. New Year's Eve weddings are kind of selfish, though. You know what I mean? Well, in Chicago, like it costs so much money to do like something on New Year's Eve that like we're all we're kind of relieved. It's like we don't have to worry about what we're doing this year. That's a good I, point. Yeah. Yeah. I've never been to a New Year's Eve wedding, but I would be open to it for that same reason. It's like all the hassle of trying to figure out what you're going to do and stuff. It just let someone else figure that out and foot the bill that it actually <laughs> sounds pretty nice. It's a good point. Yeah. As long <laughs> as you can catch an Uber home or you're staying at a hotel or something. Yeah, it, it, that works out well. All right, so let's get back on track. By the way, Alex, you know where to find him at Awesome ODFS, me at Lafay underscore D. If you're listening to podcast forum, L-O-U-G-H-Y underscore D. So one, one spot that I'm interested in, Pete, and as somebody who rostered Rex Burkhead last week, <laughs> you may be qualified to speak on this. The Broncos running backs against the Vegas Las Vegas Raiders. I mean, I'm pretty sure Melvin Gordon had negative rushing yards last week. Javante Williams was was awful, but they will continue to split work. Should we be looking to exploit this awful Chargers run defense again this Sunday? Yeah, I, I do think they're pretty interesting uh, for for GPPs. And I mean, because of Javante's price tag, I don't think he's going to get played much at all. But, you know, as far as guys where we do not question the talent, uh, you know, Javante Williams is certainly up there. So, yeah, I think this is an interesting spot. I think, you know, you want to be mindful of, of how you do it. I don't know if I'd use Javante almost as a one-off where it's like, uh, you want Denver to, to have a lead here. And then the chargers are pushed, which is actually different than what the spread would suggest. Um, so I, I, I almost would be interested in him with either kind of like mini correlations with chargers guys, or even like, if you are rolling out a Herbert stack with a Javante Williams bring back, I think you just kind of have to thread the needle on how this game uh, could go to get that elite Javante game. Is there anything you like about this on the ground or through the air, Alex? Because let me just say there were some stats too. I was talking to some people on Twitter about this yesterday. It actually is insane how good this Broncos team is outside of running back, which has left them at a sub 500 squad. I mean, 
They have the, the, the number one scoring defense in the league. Their, their line play isn't bad. Their run game is good. They turn, they, they create turnovers, but the, the quarterback play has just been so rough that even when you have guys like Judy or Cortland Sutton and Noah Fant, even Tim Patrick is a solid wide receiver three. They, they can't consistently put points on the board. Yeah, definitely. And they are more of a run first team. So from a fantasy standpoint, it is hard to target the wide receivers. So it's hard to target the running backs too, because they're split 50, 50. So all in all kind of a fail for fantasy, except, uh, I mean, there have been some weeks where guys are out and stuff. It's been a good opportunity, but on a week-to-week basis, it's a little bit tough to get to. AB says, who actually thought that Houston was going to crush the souls of the chart? I didn't. 40, what was it, 41-29? <laughs> it was, it's embarrassing, really. <laughs> it, it, was, it was embarrassing. I get the Burkhead play, but in terms of winning outright by double digits, that was, that was shocking. Um Pete, do we, I guess we have to talk about – got about 10 minutes left here, so I got two other things I want to hit on, and then we'll give our top fades, pivots, Alex's favorite part, uh, and top bet of the week. But Seattle and Detroit, I feel compelled because I know if I don't bring it up, Alex definitely will. The Seahawks' offense has just been bad. I mean, even last week, DK Metcalf had a 41-yard touchdown, and that's what we've all been looking for, and then he finished with 41 yards and a touchdown. So do you go, do we go back to the well and, and tempt our test our fate once again with, with the team that just hasn't been able to put the pieces together since Wilson returned? Yeah, it, it is. It's really tough to, to pull the trigger on, on this offense right now. I do think one thing that's interesting, you know, again, you, you need Seattle to be pushed right to, to force them to throw because otherwise Pete Carroll is just going to run the ball as many times as possible. But I mean, the fact that the lions are getting Deandre Swift back, we have Dan Campbell, you know, hyping them up. It sounds like they're going to give Deandre Swift 25, you know, touches. I do think if you want to play this, um, I don't know if I have the stomach for Russ double stacks, but I'd definitely be interested in like Swift locket, Swift Metcalf, um, even Swift, Gerald Everett, you know, something like that. And just hope that this game goes over its total, but at 42 and a half, um, both of these teams, uh, definitely wanting to establish it. Um, it's a little tougher sell for me on this big of a slate. I think there is a pretty big opportunity cost at quarterback there. Alex, are, are you in the same boat or are you willing to say, you know what? We got two weeks to go. Wilson's got to get us there in one of them. And this week we got the Detroit lions who, to be fair, to be fair, this team competes every single, every single week. The Detroit Lions are in, a, in what feels like a competitive game. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think uh, the Lions have had their moments this year. It's sad that our boy Chess is okay. Uh, hasn't been uh, <laughs> playing because I'm sure he would have wanted lunch. But uh, no, but I'm sure he's. I'm sure he's telling people in the coaching sessions to play. <laughs> That's true. Uh, so I think uh, Detroit. Uh, Khalif Raymond is out this week due to COVID. So um, that opens up a little bit of value potentially, but it's hard to know exactly who to go to other than Swift, Reynolds, or, or St. Brown. And I think Reynolds also is on the COVID list. So if he's out, that, that could you could have a 3K guy be kind of interesting or something like that. But um, I think that Seattle, they like we know the talent is awesome at wide receiver, and they just haven't like like it's been really fluky where they've run like 50 plays in like a lot of games and just not had that 
number of plays to get there and versus Detroit that the team that's uh, without their starting QB again this week, uh, I think that they could easily flip that script and, and get a lot of plays and, and put up some big numbers. Do you think Penny has to – the only thing that sucks about Penny is he doesn't get targeted, right? Like he's not really involved in the passing game, but he's got 130-plus rushing yards in two of his last three games. Definitely, yeah. I think that he'd be kind of interesting. Uh, that's a good caveat that, that you mentioned. Uh, uh, but he did get 71% of the rushing attempts last week. So uh, it depends a little bit on what's going on with Alex Collins. I think he was a healthy scratch last week. So uh, he, was. But, he was. Yeah. So uh, if they continue to go with only uh, DJ Dallas and Rashad Penny, that makes Rashad Penny pretty interesting. Pete Lundar in our chat asked, does, does Pete do 80 hours of research each week? <laughs> I actually try to get 100 is kind of the <laughs> threshold that I'm, I'm looking to, to hit. So, uh, yeah, I mean, if, if you're not doing 80-plus hours of research, I mean, might as well just withdraw your entries right now. Right, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, uh, last thing before we get to our, our final thoughts and close this out, Arizona and Dallas. I wanted to save this for the end, Pete, because it's, it's the highest projected or it's the highest total in the week. Uh, the Cardinals have just been barely treading water lately. I think they've dropped, what, three straight games. This was a team that looked dominant uh, to, to a team that's having trouble putting up 20 points from week to week. The defense hasn't looked great either. But now James Conner looks like he has not practiced uh, for five straight uh, available days. Five straight days he hasn't practiced. What do we do with, with Chase Edmonds if Conner ends up sitting again? It feels like a spot we can't get away from. Yeah. And I mean, we like these kind of spots for, um, for GPPs, right? Because the, the content machine and, you know, the call is coming from inside the house. We don't, you know, have a good read on it uh, here on a Friday. Uh, so no one's just staring at Chase Edmonds with this massive, you know, projection all week. And so I, I like that there's a little uncertainty here. And I do think, yeah, Chase Edmonds would be a, an absolute jam at 5,700 in such a great game without James Conner around. So, yeah, I, I think this is a really interesting game. I'm surprised that it's not carrying more ownership right now. I think there's just so many good options that everything's kind of getting spread out. But I mean, I do think Dak will be popular, but none of the the pass catchers in this game look like they're going to carry an absurd level of ownership. No, you're right. And, and Alex, this is one of the, the few 425 PM games on the slate. So uh, if it is in fact somewhat lower owned and it goes off, you're going to be, you're not going to want to be in a position where teams are chasing you late in the afternoon. What are you doing with, with Arizona Dallas right now, just given what we have as far as ownership, our top stack tool and all that stuff. Well, I think if Connor is out uh, this week, then Edmonds is going to be one of the top running back options for sure. Uh, and then, I mean, both offenses have, have a lot of potential. This one could easily be a, a good game stack. So uh, I noticed that Ertz is really popping in our, in our uh, leverage here. So <clears throat> pulling up the boom bust. I love Ertz this week, man. He's getting a ton of looks. Yeah, I think uh, we have him at 16% optimal, only 9% ownership. And I think that uh, if Rondale Moore is out, I think he's questionable right now. Like that just leaves a lot of short targets that, that could go to the tight end position. So I think that, that Ertz looks really good. And then you're kind of – rolling the dice with any of the other guys, but uh, I guess you could 
you could easily stack up Ertz and, and Edmonds or AJ Green and Kirk. Yeah. And on the other side, CeeDee Lamb, Schultz, Amari, Pete, are there any guys that you'd prioritize from the Dallas side? Yeah. I mean, I do always like uh, including CeeDee Lamb in those double stacks just because it does feel like, you know, if there's one of those receivers that could have the 30 plus point game that it is CeeDee. Um, it is interesting how, you know, Schultz has been a pretty consistent factor. And I think it is kind of really hurting Amari Cooper right now. Amari looks, um, like he would be the one that would get squeezed for me if I was looking at double stacks. And then, you know, Michael Gallup is so cheap, you know, he has that, um, you know, large a dot too. So I kind of like that for tournaments, you know, he can get there with a couple deep shots. So yeah, I'm probably thinking about lamb with one of Schultz or Gallup and, and probably fading Amari uh, of those guys, but they all look like good options under, you know, 10% ownership. All right, let's wrap this up with our top fades, our top pivots and our favorite bet of the week can be a side, a total prop, whatever you want. Alex, give me your top pivot or sorry, your top fade and your top pivot for week 17. Um, so the top uh, fade my favorite part. Cause we get on the, the board, uh, with that that take that people can call us out on, yeah. Ronald, Ronald Jones. I guess I'm just concerned about the passing volume uh, being too high and the workload being a little bit split there. So I think he might be over on this week. Uh, and then the, the obvious pivot is the same price point, DeAndre Swift, too. Uh, he gets a tar- targeted a ton. Detroit isn't very good this year, but he, he's had some excellent performances. What do you got, Pete? Yeah, I'll stick with uh, with my Antonio Brown uh, fade. Uh, I feel like one of Osmo and I are going to be very upset with our fade. <laughs> like one of Antonio Brown and Rojo is going to have a big game. We'll we'll see how it goes down. Uh, and I'll I'll stick with Damian Harris as as my favorite pivot. I really like uh, this spot uh, for him and and this entire offense. So I think it'd be a game where multiple Patriots running backs have big days. All right. Uh, yeah, I'll go to one where I could definitely end up being bad as well it's not a full fade obviously but sony michelle i I might just really go heavy on the passing game here the the baltimore ravens are one of the the heaviest uh pass funnel defenses in the league and that's only been more pronounced lately since they've suffered more blows to this uh secondary uh and then as as a pivot i don't think you need to go one for one in terms of salary but we didn't talk about singletary keep an eye if zach moss is once again an inactive coach's decision I'll go right back to Singletary and he's getting the red zone carries and the goal line looks uh, and inside the 10, even with Moss returning. So uh, yeah, keep an eye on that Singletary getting uh, single digit ownership right now to me as huge favorites is pretty enticing. All right, Pete, you got a bet for us to close out the show. Yeah, let's let's go with my gut, right? My gut says this KC Cincy game is going to fail. So let, let's take the under on this 51 uh, point total. I really do hope I'm wrong uh, for DFS, uh, you know, and, and best ball sake, but uh, I'm taking the under there. All right. What do you got, Alex? So I'm, I'm eyeing this Darnold prize picks number at 182.5 passing yards. That's just like the one of the lowest numbers I've seen. Uh, he's averaged 217 this year and starts – this will come down to how much is Cam Newton going to play, but I assume if Darnold's starting, which they announced, it's going to be all Darnold. So I like the over on the 186. Okay. I'm going to go Alvin Kamara <laughs> under receiving yards, under 28 and a half. An odd shopper you've got it at. Uh, Sugar House with the best bet. Look, 
I think I think we could get a ton of carries again for Alvin Kamara. And if that's the case, I don't think you'll need to use him in the passing game. I'm really not worried about Taysom Hill. We've seen when he's healthy, they're in positive matchups, his big favorites. He's going to get used anyway, particularly on the ground. So give me the under there. And we love it over at Odd Shopper too. Pete, tell everyone where they can find you one more time, man. Yeah, over uh, on my YouTube, youtube.com slash Peter Overzet. If you guys want to uh, get some merch to overzet.myshopify.com, Alex reps his thought leader hoodie uh, there from the store so you can get some very comfy hoodies as well. And uh, always uh, enjoy chopping it up with you guys. Appreciate you having me on. Always. Alex, Happy New Year, man. Happy New Year, guys. Wish all you guys a Happy New Year. We'll catch you back here 2022. Peace.